Welcome, welcome once again to 720 and 720. We are very fortunate to have a big-time guest with us today. We have a Duke legend, an ESPN legend, I guess now an Under Armour legend, and um, I guess a lawyer back in the day, kind of. We have Jay Billis. Jay, welcome to 720 and 720. John, it is good to be with you, although you don't know the meaning of the word legend. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be with you. Well, Bill Walton calls himself a legend, so I figured you were too. <laughs> he is one, though. He actually accomplished something in life. No, you've accomplished something in life. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, if you did the stuff that he did probably on the side, you would think better of yourself too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, might, that might be true. That one I'll give you. No, no comment. Uh, listen, this is a very informative, quick podcast uh, we're trying to educate, we're trying to inform, we're trying to help young coaches. And I know with, cause my work I do with you in the, in the summertime, you've kind of committed yourself to helping young players and young coaches. I was going to call you the king of the ELO drill, but I wasn't going to do that. Uh, uh, <laughs> But but what you've what you've done in the summertime is you've made a huge effort. You and John Searby made a huge effort to help young people and young coaches and young players. And um, and so I applaud you for that because in this day and age, there's not a whole lot of people giving back to the game, and, and you're giving back to the game. But you you had the fortunate experience uh, to be with Coach K and Duke when they really first got started. And and that was a long time ago. Not that you're old, uh, but you are old. Uh, <laughs> but but you got started back in, in the early '80s, and, and Coach K got there. I guess two years before you got there. But my question to you, trying to help young coaches, is what makes Coach K Coach K? What makes Duke Duke? I know there's there's probably four or five elite programs that stay elite all the time. Why? And um, trying to help young coaches, what makes Coach K Coach K? That's a good question, John. I think it's because, uh, you know, I think he got into coaching for the right reasons. He loves the game. Uh, he likes to teach. I think if he wasn't a coach, he would probably be a teacher. And I don't know what he'd teach, whether he'd teach history or, or art or whatever, but he, he'd be a teacher. That's just what, what's in his, in his DNA. And he, he thinks about people first and relationships and then instead of thinking about, uh, and I think this is important, instead of thinking about a way to play, because a lot of coaches talk about how they want to play. This is how we want to play. We want to play up-tempo. We want to do this. We want to do that. He thinks about, well, how are we going to win? And, and he thinks about winning 24-7. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean he doesn't prefer a certain style or want to play man-to-man or he thinks motion offense is the way to play or something like that. But he's going to do what, what it takes to win. And, and I think that's a really important distinction. Rather than thinking about how to play, he thinks about how to win. Well, I, I guess he's got to adjust every year. I, I mean, uh, back when you were playing for him, I, I remember, I, remember I, I became a head college coach, and Lebo calls me and says, listen, whatever you do, do not play Duke at Duke. And I was like, why, why Jeff? I, you know, I may have that opportunity. He went, because it's like being naked for 40 minutes and everybody pointing and laughing at you. And, and so, you know, that, that was when Coach K was pressuring a ball and denying and on the line of the ball and denying everything. And then he went to zone. And, and now he's trying to figure out ways to play with, I guess, today's player. Is that correct? That's right. And I think when I was playing for him, um, he was still figuring out it out as a coach. And, and to some degree, he's still adapting and figuring it out now, but he's obviously much more experienced and has learned much more 
but but I think back then you had four year players and guys that stuck around because there was no other choice. I, I really don't think players are any different now than they were back in the back in the day. It's just the the environment and the circumstances around them are different. So he's adapted to that and adapted to having guys for a shorter period of time. Uh, but I think fundamentally his value system is exactly the same. Uh, he's still very well organized and he breaks the game down to its simplest form. And he's, he's able to communicate with guys and he's constantly thinking about, well, how do I get to this guy? And, and it's not just, well, I'm going to sit him down or I've got to get him away from everybody or get somebody else to talk to him. Um, you know, quiet moments, all these different things that he does. He's constantly thinking about how the pieces fit together and he doesn't take a day off. Um, he still enjoys his life and has a family and, and does all, you know, he's in the moment all the time, which I think is really good when he's with his team or when he, when he commits to thinking about, well, uh, thinking about work, he works. And when it's time to set that aside and be with his family or, uh, go to an event. Uh, he does that for that period of time, and he actually throws himself into it 100. percent And then he moves on to the next thing. And I think his his level of concentration and attention to to what he's doing at the time has been a great lesson for me. Well, when he started, um, you know, uh, he he didn't have success right off the bat. I mean, and it wasn't Duke of that that's Duke now what were his non-negotiables early what were his pillars of this is what we're going to be at Duke and this is how we're going to play this is what we're going to you know kind of stand for the I guess buzzword is culture now yeah it's funny John we didn't have a lot of rules back then and I don't know that he has a lot now he call, I think he calls them standards now but basically our our standards at the time back in the early 80s were uh be on time uh play hard and uh, and be a good teammate and don't do anything stupid um you know it wasn't said exactly that way but uh we were expected to to comport ourselves the right way and handle ourselves in a first class manner uh we were expected to take care of our off-court stuff and and do the you know do our work and then when we came to practice we were expected to 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 play and to work and to um, to communicate with one another and and to be honest like he was always I guess he did have one rule and that's we we're going to look each other in the eye and I'd never heard anybody really say that you know my, my parents might say hey, look at me when I'm talking to you kind of thing but but his thing was whenever we talk to one another we're going to look each other in the eye and uh, we never dropped our heads in a huddle never dropped our heads in a meeting um, everybody, uh, was upright and, you know, we didn't have a rule sit up straight or anything, but it is remarkable when you're looking at somebody in the eye, you do sit up straight. And, uh, and so communication was a big deal for us. And, and he was very forthright, um, and at times brutally honest, but, uh, but you always knew from the very first time I met him, you always knew that you were getting exactly what he was thinking. And so you knew he wasn't he wasn't lying to you. And that was not as you as you know, well, no, that is not true of everyone. And it's certainly not true of all coaches or anyone in any profession. Well, number one, I think looking looking people and I, especially in today's world, no one does that. Uh, we, we look at our phones and we're, we're so self-absorbed with doing other things, looking, looking your teammate and I, looking your coach and I, uh, instead of waving them off and walking away. Uh, you think he's still got that. You think he's still got that rule looking, looking. I do. I do. I've heard him say that. And, and I know he talked about it 
he actually that that was one of the standards they had with the Olympic team was we're going to look each other in the eye and do this. But but I don't think it was like this third grade rule he had. It was just this thing about hey, this is the way we want to do this, and and this is what we get out of it. It was kind of like when he talked to us about about talking on the court. Like I had never had a coach before I got to college uh, emphasize talk. Um, it just had never happened. That that wasn't the level at, w- at which my coaches were when I was in high school. I grew up in Los Angeles. Never. Never once did anybody say talk on defense. And so when I got to college, that was that was the emphasis. And and I remember him saying, like, if you are talking, you are going to be down in a stance and you will be in the right position. And and it was true. And but it was hard to talk. That was a difficult, difficult task. And it was something that had to be it was a learned behavior that, you know, I regretted that I didn't, I had to learn before I got to college. Um, and that's one of the reasons, like, we, we, we always, like, in, in when you and I work together, I know that's something you emphasize, and, <laughs> and it's something I've really emphasized, because the sooner a, a young player learns that, the, the further along they'll be, and they'll pick up other things a lot quicker. If, if you can talk it defensively, you can do it. If you're, if you're talking about, uh, if you're going to blitz a, a ball screen or you're icing a ball screen or, or you're, you're trying to get, if you can talk it, you can do it. Same thing like writing notes. If you, if you are, uh, in high school and college, if you'll write the note, you will remember it. And, and so I, I think talking, I think that is still vital. Uh, you said, you said, Coach K, you know, I think we all got in the business for the right reasons. I think few people are are able to stay in the business for the right reasons. And and the money gets in the way and fame gets in the way and everything gets in the way. How I mean there's no one had more fame and and money thrown thrown at him and NBA opportunities thrown at him than coach K. How's he stayed how's he stayed in the business for the right reasons? I I think this answers for me more than uh our our listeners. I think he I think he loves it. He loves the everyday part of it. He still gets a bang out of putting a team together and and enjoying the day-to-day part of it and and he still he still gets a bang out of winning. Like winning is not a relief to him. It is a it is a it's still a joy. And uh and I do I do know that he feels the different pressures that come with with his station in life now that he's it's almost like uh he's not allowed to lose anymore. No, and, he's our, he's our he, Olympic coach. He can't lose. I mean, he yeah. he is above losing now on the college level. But even at Duke, you know, when they lose, it, it, other coaches when they lose, it's a learning experience. Hey, this loss may have been good for us or something. It's almost like we don't allow him to do that, and we don't allow uh, his players to do that. You know, they they had a game recently uh, where they lost to Gonzaga, and and they had a chance to win it at the end. And and the the criticism that the players got, uh, especially one of the players was, you know, the freshman kid was way over the top relative to what other players get. But, you know, party is saying, well, that's the that's what you signed up for. But, uh, you know, he's still dealing with with the same kid. It's just just because you put a Duke uniform on that kid doesn't make him bulletproof. And so he, he, he he's navigating that stuff, which is a little bit different. And then, but the other part of it, John, is like, he still, he still enjoys the same things he did when he started. It's just different now. Like there's more money involved and all that. Everything's better. Like he drives a better car. He lives in a nicer house. He doesn't have to worry about getting fired. You know, that, that, that stuff doesn't exist for him anymore, but he still enjoys the day to day part. And, you know, you've heard me tell this story. It was a revelation to me about 
you know, watching a TV show where Alec Baldwin was talking to a bunch of acting students about should they go to L.A. or New York to further their acting career. And he asked him a really, really profound question. He said, well, let me ask you, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be a famous actor? Because if you want to be an actor, you can act anywhere. You can act in local theater, summer style. And he listed all these things that I don't understand about acting. But I, I, I equated it to coaching or even my profession. Like, do you want to be a coach or do you want to be a famous coach? That if you want to be a famous coach, maybe maybe your priorities are a little bit different. Um, but if you want to coach, you get the same. Like a, a high school coach that coaches in a, in a very small town in the Midwest gets the same, if not more, satisfaction from the job that Coach K gets he or she is just not as famous. And I think if you have that value system and look at it, that like, this is why I'm doing this. Um, that, that's the, that's the joy of the job in, in my judgment. Well, you, uh, the, the first thing you said about coach K is, is kind of, you know, I'm old like you is, is John Wooden. John Wooden always said he was a teacher at UCLA. He wasn't a coach there. He was a teacher. And, uh, you said coach K thought of himself as a teacher, uh, Bob, not Bobby Knight was a teacher, um, of, of the game. And I don't, I don't think we have, I don't think we have a ton of teachers left. I think we got a bunch of guys, um, uh, not, not every one of them, but a, a lot of guys who, who are trying to kind of self-promote and, and move up a little quicker, just be a teacher, just do what's right. You know, like a Mike Young, Mike Young beat South Carolina at South Carolina last night. He just does things right slowly and follows the process. He doesn't, you know, and and that's what that's what uh, Coach K did. That's what Bob McKillop did. They do the process, and and winning results come from it. I think that's right, John. But I think the I think the overwhelming majority of coaches are doing it for the right reasons and are doing trying to do the right thing. I think the the world has changed, and and circumstances are totally different. Uh, you know, there, there's more involved now. Um, and there are more pressures that go with it. Uh, there are more pressures that the players face, and you're dealing with a different cut of parent than you used to. I mean, the parent used to the parent used to drop the kid off at the gym, and the word the, the coach's word was law. Yeah. And and if the kid came home complaining, they you know my my parents would say, well, what the coach tell you to do? Uh, you know, then do it. Like that's not my problem. That's your problem. And, and that's not what happens anymore. The parents are all the practices and, you know, even the camp that you and I run, uh, you know, we have to, we have to have, uh, we have to have programming for the parents cause they're around all the time. That wasn't <laughs> the case when we were kids. And, but, but you, you know, you can sit and lament how it used to be, or you can, you can act positively to impact it the right way. Like at our camp, and I'm not trying to promote our camp, but at our camp, we don't sit and, and complain about things. We go, here's how we're going to do it here. And it's remarkable how the players respond to it. And the parents do too. And so if you do it, you know, do it your way and, and communicate with everybody, include everybody in the process and, and you're transparent about it, you're probably going to be okay. And if you're not okay, then maybe it's time that you got out of there. Cause maybe if you're doing it, you know, if, if you're doing it, you think the right way and, and, uh, and you're upholding a certain standard, well, maybe you should find somewhere else. And sometimes, sometimes that revelation can be freedom too, that, that you, you find a better fit. Well, he's got a great fit there. And that's another thing. I, Rick Bird came to our coaches Academy and Rick Bird said, you know, I'm one of the fortunate ones because my values and my beliefs fit the school that I'm at. 
and and that's why Rick's had a great run at a Belmont. That's why Bob Ritchie's having a great run at a Furman. Uh, Mike Young having a great run at, at Wofford. So you, you're right. There's a lot of people doing right things. Um, but I listen. I I'm not going to take all your day. We we just appreciate. You know, if we can get young coaches understanding that, I guess where they are. You know, my, my son. I, my son plays at UAH. That's Division Two. They had a big win last night. He was juiced up like he. They just beat Carolina, and he was at Duke. And so, be you know, the big time is wherever you are, whether whether it be at Duke, whether it be at UAH, whether it be at uh, Charlotte Latin. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Just have the big time where you're at. That, that's the most important game in the country is the one you're playing. And uh, and like I always thought that as a broadcaster, and Coach K taught me that. He'd always say that that. Hey, this every game we play is important because we're playing, and our game's the most important. And I've treated it that way as a broadcaster that every game I do is the most important game of the day, and I, you know, I treat it as such. And uh, because it's my game, and I'm going to give my best effort and, and all that. Um, so you know, it's look, it, it's this is a noble profession. Like coaching is a noble profession, and as as grateful as I am to all of my teachers, and I am extraordinarily grateful. There is no teacher I'm more grateful toward than my coaches because they were they held uh, authority and power and and uh, and judgment over the most important thing in the world to me when I was younger and that's the game and uh, and it's a it's a it's a really important and powerful position and uh, and it's one that that requires um, it requires your best effort and and your best effort for the players and someday the players are going to be talking about about you and how do you want to be talked about and remembered and that's one of the things i think about every day when i go into something is well wait a minute like how do i you know the people who who taught me the game you know i i think of a certain way and i've had good ones and bad ones and i've had i've had great ones and i had and i also had the greatest one that's ever done this um, you know, I, I wonder if, if when they were, you know, going to work every day, they thought about, I wonder how my players are going to regard me when it's all over. Uh, and, and if they would have handled things differently. Well, your, your hardest and toughest and most fair teachers and coaches are the ones you remember, not, yeah. not, not the ones that let you slide by. And, and that's what we all got to remember as, as coaches. Uh, you know, last thing real quick, as a broadcaster, I, you're, you've gotten to be really good. When you were younger, uh, and let's say you were doing an NCAA tournament game and the, the team was down by about 56, and um, the coach maybe ran a great play at the end of the game and, and cut it to maybe 54, uh, maybe Chattanooga, UConn back in 09. What were you thinking about Coach Shulman, John Shulman at that moment? I was probably thinking about getting something to eat after the after the game was over. Hey, that's the first time I met you. It was not a great first uh, introduction. Uh, the, it was it was uh, it was actually a great. It was one I still talk about all the time because you you uh, when you met Dick Enberg, I thought you were going to fall on the ground with awe. I had a like, man crush. Hey, Jay, I had doing? a bit of a man crush on Dick. Enberg. Oh my God, Mister Enberg! It's so wonderful to meet you. Hey Jay, how you doing? <laughs> That that, that that was my introduction to John Schulman, and it's only gotten worse from there. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, we, we uh, once again, we appreciate what you do for college basketball, but we also appreciate people don't get a chance. You know, they see you on Twitter and they see you on ESPN. They don't see you in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
uh, in the middle of June uh, for 12 hours, about 14 hours actually on a Saturday, helping young kids and helping young coaches and spending time with people. They don't get to see that side of Jay Billis, and we appreciate that side. So I really appreciate your time. Well, brother, it's great being with you. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much.